morning, everyone, and welcome to First Things First. It is Valentine's Day, and we were all appropriately dressed for it. I'm Jenna Wolf. That is Nick Wright. Ryan Hollins is with us this what morning. What up, big man? Good morning. Good to see you, man. Great to have you here today. If you wanted a bang going into the NBA All-Star break, you got it last night. For example, our top story, let's get to it. It is the Celtics hosting the Clippers. What a game. Both teams in third place in their respective conferences. Mm. Kawhi versus Jason Tatum, perhaps. Last night, Advantage Tatum came out on top, went off for 39 points to help lead the Celtics to a 141-133 double overtime win in Boston. Tatum also played great defense on Kawhi all night long. Newsflash, Kawhi played, Nick. That was mm -hmm. good. Uh, don't look now. Until the, the overtimes. What? Hang on. The Boston Celtics have now won eight of their last nine games. Let's stick with that for a second. Nick, what does it say that Tatum outplayed Kawhi last night? Well, credit where it's due, first of all. Tatum's an excellent player. He played arguably the best game of his career last night. And you saw one of the reasons why Danny Ainge was so hesitant to even include his name in any trade talks, even for a player such as Anthony Davis. So credit to Jason Tatum for being the best player on the court last night. But I'm old enough to remember a whole three months ago, when the entire NBA media industrial complex was trying to convince me that man over my shoulder is the best player in basketball. Best player in basketball based on nothing in his career other than an amazing month. A really, really great conference semifinals and conference finals and a pretty damn good first few games of the NBA finals against a beat-up Warriors team. And, you know, to misquote Marshall Mathers, will the real best player in basketball please stand up? <laughs> and someone should check and see around either Milwaukee or Los Angeles if Giannis or LeBron is standing right now. It'd be a little early for LeBron out in L.A. Because those are the only two people in this discussion. I, I, I'm told Kawhi Leonard the reason he's in the discussion for the best player in basketball is because he does it on both ends of the court which once upon a time was true, and now is true like it is for almost all great offensive players, except for Giannis. He picks his spots defensively because he has such a heavy workload offensively. He wasn't shutting anyone down yesterday. I'm told all the time what makes Kawhi Leonard so special is he is this mid-range god. It is, it is the, he has so much elements of Michael Jordan's game. The problem with being a mid-range guy, if you're not Michael Jordan, is you're going to shoot about 42% on him and they're inefficient shots. And if that is your go-to and you're only getting to the rim 16% of the time, you can go as he did, what, if at the end of the game, miss, 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 miss. His one make in overtime was after rebounding his own miss. And it is indicative to me, Ryan, of what we've seen all year long, which is Kawhi is a great player on a really good team. But he is being talked about like he is the greatest player on the best team. And both of those two things could not be further from the truth. Nick, you, you really confuse me right now because you talk about Kawhi Leonard and you say that well, everything that he did last year and his great month didn't matter. Well, that's when it only matters, when it's championship time, when it's in the playoffs, when he had to put a Toronto on his back against Philadelphia, against the Golden State Warriors. But ultimately, I don't cause too much concern in the regular season from Kawhi. He's not a guy that's going out to try to get an MVP title. He's not trying to wow you. He's going to get a championship. That's the one focus 
focus Kawhi, and that's the one focus of the Clippers. Now, in terms of Jason Tatum, he's absolutely special. Let's not act like he didn't have an amazing Game 7 against LeBron James about two years ago, so we know why everybody, Danny Ainge and company, are ranting and raving. But when I look at this Clippers squad, at any time, Doc Rivers could have said, Kawhi, you got Tatum. Go guard him. Now, in terms of the Clippers— Why I, didn't he? It, it's not that time yet. It's not that time. Oh, the, oh now, okay. we saw. I didn't know last night's game didn't matter. That's it. The, 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 somebody should call the NBA because the standings <laughs> say it did. And uh, it, that okay, so that's so we're so we're, that was Game Seven of the championship. No, yesterday. but but in order to get to the championship, you got to win some of these games. And this idea, you can say I'm acting like a oh, great month of basketball doesn't matter. I'm not acting like that. I'm acting like it can't be the only thing that matters. And one thing you said I immediately take issue with, put a Toronto team on his back, a Toronto team that the year before Kawhi got there, they won 59 games. This year, they are on pace to win 61 games. The year he was there, they were 17-5 and five without him. We do have to start to acknowledge that maybe, just maybe, Kawhi Leonard, at every spot of his career, has been in the ideal basketball situation. The amazing infrastructure in San Antonio that existed before and after him. The, the team in Toronto that existed before and is existing after him. And this team in Los Angeles that I'm told is the deepest, Nick, one of the most well-rounded teams Nick, in basketball. I, I wouldn't say that anything in Toronto was absolutely excellent and stand out. This was a team that could not get over the hump. They were regular season kings. I mean, they had the some of the most amazing regular seasons that we had seen, and they couldn't get over that hump. Well, guess what Kawhi Leonard did? He got them over that hump. Oh, the, hump now, was, the hump went to the Western Conference. The entire hump for the for the Raptors was LeBron, and he left, and he didn't have to get over the hump last let's year. Not, let's not overlook that Philadelphia team. I know they're underachieving. I know the expectations sure. are over the roof, but that was a good win. Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, sure. Joel Embiid, that was a tall task at hand. So then they knocked off the Milwaukee Bucks. So we cannot overlook what he did in the playoffs. Now, ultimately, when you look at the Clippers, they're not too concerned about the regular season, Nick. So I know you want to hold a lot of weight. I know this gives you a case against the uh, for your Lakers of how great and how amazing they are. And ultimately, the shoes have flipped. We thought the Lakers would be the team that's saying, hey, man, how can we get healthy? What do we need to do? Anthony Davis in and out the lineup. LeBron James not healthy. No, they've actually been healthy. It's the Clippers that have struggled with health. But this gives me... Zero concern because you haven't seen a full, healthy Clippers team. And I know what it's like when you go two or three games before the All-Star break. You just want to get there and get healthy. And if I'm Doc Rivers and I'm looking at my Clippers team, we haven't had a full practice as a full squad yet. Yeah. There's no Patrick Beverly, okay? Paul George goes out at half. These are guys that are trying to get it done by committee. Which and they is able why to do you it. need your best player to show up every night. And he won't. And it's why you need your best player who has not been hurt this year but has been load-managing to prevent injuries to not be the most load-managingest player that we've ever seen in the NBA because Paul George coming off double shoulder surgery and dealing with a hamstring, because Patrick Beverly's been hurt. And I'm sorry I interrupted no, you, No, that's Jenna. okay. Go, go ahead. I was just going to say, it doesn't concern you at all that, that this Clippers team is heading into the break. Now you're down, Paul George. You've had 27 different lineups going into that Doc Rivers has had to work with. None of that concerns you. The chemistry the injuries, all of it? I'm absolutely zero concern. Uh, when it comes to time to show up, time to show out against your Lakers, uh, the Clippers have done that. Uh, I did not look at 
the Clippers playing against Paul, playing against the Celtics and say, hey, man, this is a championship right here. They have to win. This is a must win. You know what that meant to Boston last night? It meant everything. When you Why? have a bullseye and a target on your – because the entire league has a consensus – that the Clippers are going to be the champions. That's the team to beat. Kawhi Leonard is the best player in basketball. That's who you have to show up against. When you think about LeBron James, you don't know which LeBron is going to show up. So getting a win over the Lakers doesn't mean the same as getting a win over the Clippers. What you just said might be the most <laughs> ludicrous thing I've ever heard. The idea that people aren't getting up for the Lakers, but they're getting up for the Clippers and their long history of success, and the idea that anyone can say with a straight face. How about the last six they, seasons? What, what, long history of success. How the Lakers been? Well, well, they, well the, the Lakers. They didn't make the playoffs last year. What are you talking about, Nick? Yeah, of course. They've been a train wreck the last six years, and the Clippers in the last 60 years have never made a conference finals. But don't worry about that, because these are obviously two totally different teams. Nobody actually believes Kawhi's the best player in basketball. Nobody does. If they did, you know how I know it? Because he's going to get, for in large part, and by the way, he deserves it, because two overtimes of getting outplayed by Tatum and not making a shot and being awful down the stretch doesn't define you I never, unless you actually are. I never knew are. you put so much weight on the regular no, season. No, I had no, I can't no, no, believe no, no. this. Unless you actually are the best player in basketball. Then you get evaluated on every single missed shot on every single Nick, real quarter quick, of basketball. Why do you define... Define LeBron James as the greatest, if not one of the greatest players of all time. What the, makes it? The his, his regular season efforts? No, but oh, 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 we are in the regular what? season, Ryan Hollins. <laughs> so that's all we have to evaluate it. No, on. no, no. Can and you if, answer, the Clippers, Nick? if the Clippers were having anything close to the season people expected them to, we would say, see, this is why they're the best team. Nobody in thought the Clippers were going for 70 wins, Nick. Come on. Thought maybe they'd get 55. Uh, a little credit, though, to Jason Tatum. 39 points in the Celtics' double overtime win the over the Clippers. Not sure how this is possible, guys, but Pelicans phenom Zion Williamson is now one-upping. Get out. Even himself. So Tuesday night, Zion put up 31 points, a career high. Last night, Zion put up 32 points, a career high. Zion also became the youngest player in NBA history with six straight games of 20-plus oh, no. points. Think about that. Ryan, you already convinced Zion's an all-timer after the first 10 games. <laughs> no. <laughs> Who would be convinced Zion's an all-timer after 10 games? But are you but surprised I, it's been so easy for him? I'm blown away. I am absolutely blown away. I played the center position in the NBA. Zion, I didn't think he'd be listed at center. He's more of, I thought he'd be more of a power forward. But going at Steven Adams, Steven Adams is one of the more elite post defenders in the NBA. I know the guy uh, holds the no layup rule and I compete against Steven. So ultimately, when I see what Zion did, going through the chest of Steven Adams, I am blown away. If I'm looking at Zion's scouting report right now, the way that they're playing him, Force the jump shot, back up, you know, contest his shot, make him score over you. Well, here's the reality now, Nick. He's scoring over you. So those NBA he's just bullying Stephen Adams there. It, it, it's a mix of a bully and footwork because he's got one of the quickest first steps I have ever seen, and he's an intrigue. I think the rest of the league is trying to figure out who is Zion. How do you guard him? We saw Trevor Reza trying to guard him the other night. Do you put your four? Do you put your fives on him? But he's able to get to spots and just elevate uh, up over you. I do think at the end of the day, it's going to come tougher for him. He's going to have his work cut out. I know that the hype is LeBron James. 
He's no LeBron James. Uh, Nick, I know you're incredibly high on him. I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit, but I'll say right now the success that he's having early, I am blown away. My only questions moving forward to the success that you may talk about and others see is everything is at the rim. Everything's at the rim. And I know the Rockets are redefining small ball. That's going to help him out. But ultimately, how much can he do scoring three and four and five feet away from the basket. Well, right now, he don't need to. And this is why I'm not surprised at all. This is why this is exactly what I anticipated from Zion and why I thought as much as I like Ja, the, was Ja Morant the better number one overall pick with the conversation that was being had when Zion was out with an injury was so absurd. Some things in sports make, per- make perfect sense. You know what made perfect sense? Randy Moss's rookie year. Oh, so we've got this guy who's the tallest receiver in the league, the fastest receiver in the league, and can jump higher than any receiver in the league. Oh, yeah, he's going to dominate. And he walked into pro football from Marshall and gave you 1,300 yards and 17 touchdowns because, well, of course, like, he's the biggest, the fastest, can jump the highest. Zion Williamson walks into the NBA as strong as the strongest, can jump higher than the highest, and is damn near as fast as the fastest. That translates. Simple. It is It is simple for him. He does not yet have to expand his game to be an all-star. If he wants to be an MVP, which he will be, he has to expand his game. Agreed. But he can be 23 points a night without ever improving as long as the athleticism maintains. If he, as long as he has this level of, athlet, of athleticism, especially because you alluded to the Rockets small ball lineup, in the modern NBA, it's not like it's the mid 90s. And one night you've got Robinson to go against, and one night Ewing, and one night Elijah, one and one night Matumbo. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, you just, the, one of the strongest guys in the league is Steven Adams, who got his lunch eaten yesterday. You're going to have to play, if you're Zion, Milwaukee twice a year. Milwaukee's got Giannis, got Brooke Lopez, Mm -hmm. got a ton of big bodies. I think think the Raptors, even though they don't have the strength, they have such length, they could present some problems for him at the rim. There are a couple teams, the Lakers oddly actually, because Anthony Davis and JaVale and Dwight, they have the length and Dwight has the strength. But that might be the list of teams that have the bodies to throw at Zion at the rim. Everyone else, he's just going to get to his spot and eat you alive. And so it it makes sense that Zion is this. I don't think he's LeBron because their games are so different. But where he has a similarity to LeBron, Ryan, is LeBron walked in the league and it's like, oh, 6'8", best athlete in the league, can jump as high as anyone in the league. It, he will at the very least be able to do what some of the things he did in high school to pros, and that part is transparent. Is it that you weren't as high on Zion when he came out? Is that why you're so surprised right now? I question how's a guy going to get to the rim and score over seven-footers and 6'11 guys and guys that are just as athletic. Normally that doesn't always translate. My question was the footwork. It is improved. It's not amazing, but literally he gets to spot A, and he jumps straight vertical and scores the basketball. Now, here's the concern, and everybody's expressed this. You have a 280-pound pogo stick. So when he gets in the lane and he jumps and everything's rim, 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 layup, 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 that's so much torque on the knee. And I know the cause for concern for the Pelicans. How's he going to last? Obviously, we all agree the game's going to have to expand. I love his work ethic. That's probably the one thing I am optimistic about. He's working on his three-point shot. He's still figuring out his footwork. But for right now, he's expanding and he's playing excellent at what he does best.
I think of Blake Griffin. Blake was even yeah. different because we've never seen a guy jump this quick. And he's a little undersized. So I think for right now, the scouting reports aren't out. The league still has to figure out, hey, man, what do we do with a guy like this? Think about uh, Ben Simmons. When Ben Simmons was tearing the league up, I want to say uh, his second year, well, his, his second rookie yeah. year, whatever it was, you watch Ben Simmons play downhill, downhill, downhill. And what teams do when they'll guard Ben Simmons, you'll back up and you'll let him come to the paint. Now, for a driver, that's almost what he wants because he gets zero resistance. So at some point, teams are going to go out and crowd Zion. They're going to force him to dribble. They're not going to give him that running start because he's athletic enough to take that but, start uh, and uh, score over Agreed, you. but for Ben... And one of the reasons some people think he's playing out of position is because he's at it because he doesn't have a shot and refuses to shoot. Zion at least will shoot. He hasn't. I don't think he's made a three since that first game of his career when he made four of them. I, ben is at a disadvantage given his weakness because he's trying to run the offense. Yeah. Zion's not being asked to run the offense. He's playing the dunker spot. Or he's playing a, a spot a lot of people think Ben should be playing. But what he's doing up to this point, I can't say it's unprecedented. But the only precedent is Shaquille O'Neal. I think we can show it. 10 games in, 22 points, at least 50% from the field. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. Jordan, Shaq, <laughs> Zion. And it should be noted, Zion's only playing 27 minutes a night. So those per 36, do quick math in my head, bump that up by 25, by 33%. We're talking about if you were playing 36 minutes if the production were to stay the same, he's up around 28, 28 points per night. Per night. There yes. you go. And, and, the, doing it also and the, the 58% time. is unbelievable. Yeah. And so I just, I, I think this will keep up for as long as he wants it to until his game I expands. just don't think it's a championship. I like 20 and 10. I question help. When I saw LeBron, I saw a championship. When I saw Sack, I saw a championship. When we saw Michael Jordan, we saw I don't see that from Zion, but I'm heavily impressed. Yet. Could you say well, yet? I think he's saying projecting He's got to change his game. He has to show me more in his basketball game, and I'll be convinced right there. But as set, no, I don't see it. But I am highly impressed. You can't help but be highly impressed. It's as good of a 10-game start as anyone's ever had. TurboTax is here to help this tax season by making tax filing easier for you. They've made it their mission to give you all the tools and advice you need to get your taxes done with confidence, like making uploading your W-2 as easy as taking a picture. Just use your phone or tablet to simply snap a picture of your W-2, then watch your information appear in the right place in your tax return. You can be sure you're filing your taxes correctly while at the same time making sure you're getting the best possible refund. TurboTax. All people are tax people. Last year, Big Ben Roethlisberger played just two games before an elbow injury ended his season. But even without Ben in the lineup, that Steelers team still finished 8-8. Eight and eight. Steelers GM Kevin Colbert said he doesn't think Ben is, quote, at the end of the road like Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers them fighting words. Nick, you think Ben can still play at a high level? I think it's going to be very difficult. I can't write him off because it's not like we've seen him have the horrible year. It Now, the last full year we saw him play, he led the league in interception, interceptions, pardon me, but he still looked like he could make all the throws Ben could always make. And physically, 
He looked like the same guy that's almost impossible to bring down, that can extend plays, do all the things that I know you've talked about as a defensive coach going against him, how frustrating it can be because the play appears to be over and then the play is not only not over, but it's a huge gain for Pittsburgh. But history and odds obviously are stacked against him. I the year I'm talking about was the 2018 season. Right. The 2019 season, he blows out his elbow. Half, right. Exactly right. He blows out his elbow. And now we're talking about a guy who will be going into year 17 from a quarterback class that every, that people are either gone or done. I mean, e Eli's gone. Phillip Rivers is going to be playing elsewhere because the Chargers don't want to bring him back. The Steelers, we, we had a bunch of older quarterbacks last offseason coach that were pending free agents. Tom Brady, team wouldn't give him an extension. Drew Brees, team didn't give him an extension. Eli Manning obviously didn't get an extension. Phillip Rivers didn't get an extension. The fifth was Ben Roethlisberger. He got two years, $68 million. The Steelers are invested in him. And then after he got hurt, they said, we'll trade a first-round pick for this star safety, Minka Fitzpatrick, because we're so confident we don't need to be in the quarterback market. And I don't think it's because they loved Mason or Duck so much. It's because they still trust Big Ben. So I, I am not going to say it is impossible Big Ben is good next year. What I am going to say is history is against him. And recent history of his class is against him. But because we haven't seen his play plummet yet, maybe we would have had he not gotten hurt. Throw in I, age. Age is against Oh, yeah. That's, well, that's what I mean by history. Okay. I mean, a guy in year 17 sure. at his age, all those are against him. But I haven't yet seen him fall off that cliff, so I can't write him off entirely. Yeah, I, I think we're making the assumption that Philip Rivers' issues were all Philip Rivers' issues and, and that nothing else came into play in, in, in the numbers that he had this year and the interceptions he had this year. But when you look at Big Ben, to me, it, it's about how well is he taking care of his body this offseason. And it looked like going into last year, he had made some adjustments physically. He had made some adjustments to the way that he trained. And, and that's a big part of it. That's a big part of being able to sustain yourself at, at, as you, your age increases. And, and it seems like his approach ha has improved. And that being said, I think he's he's such a huge jump from the two guys they have. Well, that, that to me, I'm sorry to interrupt. The, the most important point, I think, might be they don't need him to be great. They need him to not be, with respect, Mason and Duck, right? Like, if they had league average quarterback play last year, given how great the defense was once Minka got there, they'd have been a, a dangerous football team. And, and it's just going to be interesting to see how he, how he works with the young receivers, how that dynamic is, because we all were looking to see no Antonio, no Le'Veon, what's Ben yep. going to be like, what's that chemistry going to be like when there's not a lot of drama happening, but we didn't get a chance to really to see that. I imagine that'll be good. Now, he's got to just make sure he doesn't force everything because he wants to make plays, because he wants to, he, you know, you, you can get into so much trouble doing that. He's good enough doing the things that he's always done. He doesn't need to do everything and be everything to that offense in order for the team to be successful. It's set up for him to, to be able to succeed next year in that Mike Tomlin works with him, has worked with him, knows him, knows what he can and cannot do. You're right. He just has to go in there, rely on that defense being as good as it was last year, not have to do too much or too little, be better than the two guys who tried to fill in at the position. And plus, this is the only uniform you could see this guy wearing. Oh, I can't see him in no, other he, colors. He, it's there, yellow no and black. They, they, they signed him to the extension. There's no question he's playing with the Steelers. The, the question I meant literally ben, color scheme with his skin tone. <laughs> the, all of it. The, the, yeah. the question Fantastic. for Ben it's a great skin is tone. going to be... Can he cut down on the turnovers, though? 
because if you are going to transition from a throw it around the yard, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, Le'Veon Bell is a great receiving running back offense to a more Let's try to win games like we were trying to win games last year. Trust our defense, not turn the ball over. I mean, Ben's turnovers, 20, 14, 16, 15, 15, 18. Those are the preceding six years to last year. So that's going to be an adjustment for him. The one other thing I would say that I would caution, and I'm not trying to be funny here, Ben is a guy who is has never been known exactly as a fitness freak. And uh, pictures can be misleading, but the pictures and the local reports out of Pittsburgh seem to be that this time away from football has not necessarily been forgiving for one Ben Roethlisberger. And so I do wonder at his age, given his history of being well, a rounder cheeked quarterback than we're used to seeing. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, I'll say that. Uh, that whether or not a year away from football, if he is going to be in the type of shape he's used to finding his way into by the beginning of a regular season. Well, a couple of things. Jenny, you made the point about relying on the defense and, and and playing that role. I think Ben's going to have a real hard time doing that. He's not used to his name be, not being on the marquee. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers starring Ben Roethlisberger, featuring everybody else, yes. and that's how it's going to be. In terms of, of, of his weight, you know, there's some players that play themselves back into shape. There's some players that have a timetable. Do I think that's necessarily the, the best way to do things, but it's just like exams. Some people cram and some people plan it out. And, and as you get older, I think you do need to plan it out a lot more. And he's on, he's in uncharted waters for him. He's never missed this type of time. He's a guy who's been dinged a bunch in his career, but he plays basically since his rookie year at least 11 or 12 games, and most years 14 or 15 games every year. To be away for a full season, deal with a surgery where that is, he has to learn how to do that because he's never had to deal with it. But even Ben Roethlisberger, a little bit cherubic, is better than most guys. <laughs> right. You know, cherubic. who are ripped up. chicken or the egg reports that Tom Brady's return is predicated on New England adding weapons, hard to add weapons until the team knows if Tom Brady's coming back to New England. Reports that receivers A.J. Green and Hunter Henry could be targeted. Coach, how good can Brady be if those guys actually come to New England? Who, who puts out these reports? Like, seriously, who puts out these reports? Oh, so you don't buy it? Who, I mean, who, who's talking to New England? His bill suddenly opened up the line of communications. Hey, we're looking at Hunter Henry and A.J. Green, but don't tell anybody. Hey, I mean, come on, Nick Casario, is he talking? Who, like, who, who is giving information New England, out me, of coach. New England? No, but I'm just saying it's, it's like, could they, be, could they be on New England's list? Yeah, they're both, they're both potential guys that could be on. You want to take any other name in the NFL who's a free agent? who's an offensive player who's had a little bit of success and put him on the list, yeah, go ahead. And I'll, I'll put that report out there. Any offensive player who's a free agent who's a little productive may be on New England's right, list. Hold on. Let me ask you this a slightly different way before I give my opinion, though, because you know Tom. You, you, you coached Tom when he first came into the league. You, you know more about Tom. You might not be one of his close friends in the world, but you know him better than we do. Do you think – part of his decision is going to be contingent on promises we will resupply. Do you understand what I'm no, asking? No, okay. no. Okay, why not? Because you, you, you do business one way and it's brought you unprecedented success and then suddenly in the twilight of your career, you're gonna ask for the, the, the business to be done differently? 
Like you, you, when you get older and, and when you're a guy like Tom Brady, you typically get wiser and you appreciate the things that you have and you appreciate the way that things work and you may not totally enjoy how they work, but it's, it's something that you understand is necessary to get the results that you want. So it's hard for me to even, even justify the idea of Tom sitting back and going, well, you have to do this, you have to do that. That's, that's not how he's built, that's not how, he, how he's wired. And, and that being said, there's, there's not just getting the talent in New England, but the talent has to fit into the system. And there's been plenty of guys that have been talented that couldn't fit in the system. Chad Johnson, you know, a talented guy, a productive guy, it just didn't work. So there's, there's the, both those elements of it come into play. And then how realistic is it for the Patriots to go out and do this anyway? Well, right, I, and I think that is the best question, Jenna, because the, the while I didn't think of it from the perspective of coach of who's leaking, I just thought of it from the very pragmatic perspe pers uh, perspective of this doesn't make any sense. First of all, Tom Brady would have to, the, the trust for this timeline to work. With the Patriots, it's very clear. One thing we know, to, without any leaks, is that what is best for them is to, re, if they're gonna bring him back, do it before free agency starts. Because the moment free agency starts, $14 million in dead money hits their cap. So if you bring him back after that, you have whatever his cap charge is for this year, plus that $14 million. If you bring him back before that, that $14 million gets paid out eventually, but you can, you can move it out over the course of his contract. So we know their idea situation if they're bringing him back is to bring him back before March 14th or March 16th the official open of free agency so how would this work Tommy sign this contract and we promise you we're going to win what is essentially an auction for AJ Green okay how do you win an auction anyone in this room can guarantee they can win any auction they want if they will say well I will just I will pay whatever it takes but the winner of every auction basically ever has done one thing by definition, they have overpaid. Because everyone else in the room said, nope, that's too much and you kept your paddle up. What in Bill Belichick's history says he's going to overpay and guarantee to overpay, guarantee I'm going to win this auction? Nothing. One of the things that defines the Patriots is, it, it, look at their cap sheet, not a single bad contract. They, were, they are more likely to let a quality player walk away than they are to sign someone to a bad contract. So it would take Tom Brady, A, just relying on trust us, take it on faith, we are going to go do these things, and the Patriots to make a commitment that we've never seen them make in the past, which is... But you're making this assumption that that's what Tom is asking for. Like, that, your whole discussion is predicated on Tom walking in there and going, you need to do the following things in order for me to, to, to come back. And, and Tom understands that it's a team game. If you have a really good defense and really good special teams, that changes starting field position. That changes the amount of points you give. He's not, he's not sitting in the war room going, you know, I think we need to add a, you know, another, another uh, slot corner. And well, okay, his, fair enough. But I do think it was pretty clear he was at times frustrated last year with the lack of true professional receiving options that he had. And I also think it is very reasonable for me to say, the Patriots are not going to be able to or are not going to be willing to offer Tom Brady the most years and the most money of anybody. So you are going to have to make some concessions to him in theory in other places. I just don't think these are realistic concessions to make. And I also think there is an element, Coach, where it, the Patriots history says they have invested heavily 
in skill position guys over the last couple drafts. First round pick on a running back, first round pick on a wide receiver for the first time since you guys were in Cleveland, right? Derek Alexander. Yeah. A second round pick on Mohamed Sanu. Now we're going to invest even more heavily on thin, fast guys. Like that's not that none of that has been the Patriots' history or Belichick's history that well, I you know. You can go of. out and get a tight end. Sure. I mean, go and I think they will prioritize draft, tight end. You could draft a couple of tight ends. I mean, there's a lot of things that that you can do. The, the important thing is doing what's right, and and the idea that Tom is going to say what's right for me, as opposed to what's right for this team, it, it's just not how he's wired, and it's not how that system works. You don't think there's a possibility though, coach, that he thinks that in this situation they're one and the same? That he thinks what is best for the team is giving me an opportunity to sh to be Tom Brady again. Last year, because of the lack of weapons, I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate here, but last year, that I don't think it's selfish for Tom if he were to think what held us back was, I'm still great. Nobody could see it because I had a bunch of kids out there. So what would be best for the team, because the defense seemingly is good every year, we've got a couple stars on defense, is to give me a legitimate number one option, a legitimate wide receiver, a replacement for Gronk, that these that our incentives are aligned in this situation. To me, that would be a reasonable belief for Brady to have, even if I personally don't agree with it. Do, but do, you, do you really think that Tom, after his wealth of experience there, is saying, I don't believe in Bill Belichick's ability to evaluate what's right for this team. I am a better evaluator of what's best for this team than Bill Belichick is. Even though I've had this, this experience of, what is it, 18, 19 years yep. now? Now, at this point in my career, I'm better than him at putting together the composition of this team. Well, I think if you're Brady, you, have to, you either have to believe last year you weren't good or last year the pieces around you weren't good. He should worry about getting an O-line coach. That's what Tom Oh, did. gosh. If, if only Dante Scarnecchia. Wait to get him in there. I appreciate that, Coach. Look, look at the track look record. Look at the track record. Don't worry. There'll, there'll be another report coming out tomorrow. We can bring That's this yeah, all back. Sure again. Last year, Jameis Winston had a roller coaster of a season. First quarterback in NFL history to throw for 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. It is a great feat and a terrible feat all wrapped into one. But now he's got his eyes fixed, America. Now he can see. <laughs> right now, it is unclear if the Bucs will bring Winston back. His head coach, Bruce Arians, said this. Really, nothing's changed since then. What's behind door number two? How do we make the one we have better? All those things, you go through that now. We don't know who's available. People are sitting and waiting to see, is there someone available or not? Is he a better option? That's the problem. Meanwhile, Jameis is out here. I can see and I can read what you're writing, Coach. Uh, Nick, what do you think Tampa Bay should do with Jameis Winston? I, quarter way through the year, I would, I would not believe I'm about to say this. I think you got to run it back with him one more time. I think that there, he, he has shown throughout his whole football career, a great Jameis Winston game is as good as just about anybody. A great Jameis Winston game, a great Jameis Winston throw, that he can, he has all of the upside attributes of any quarterback in football. Now, five years in, it's not great. We're still talking about the upside attributes. And the flip side is a bad Jameis Winston game is you know, this side of Nathan Peterman, the worst you're going to see in the NFL. And by the way, even the year at Florida State, the year after he won the Heisman, when he was defending national champion, the guy threw a bunch of picks. He he's a, throws a lot of interceptions, makes a lot of incredibly head-scratching decisions. But I'm not joking when I say 
could the LASIK really help? Could it be that he can't see that well? Because some of these picks are inexplicable. And he started this, started his Bucks career off with a pick six, finished last year off with a pick six, with dozens of pick sixes in between. So I, I think because he has A-level talent, franchise him, give him one last chance, even though that's what I thought this past year was, and see what he can do. Because dude threw for 5,000 yards and 33 touchdowns. That's an amazing season if it didn't also come with 30 interceptions exactly. which seems impossible but i i couldn't cut bait on him just yet if i especially with those receiving threats they have in tampa coach if if the lasik is the reason then i think you have to start by firing the trainer and then the doctor <laughs> and then his position coach and then the offensive coordinator <laughs> then the head coach then the gm like if nobody figured out and his agent and maybe get a divorce. I mean, you, you, I don't know if, if nobody figured out that his eyes Are probably bad. like probably play a role in his performance. To me, that's a, a fundamental fail like on, on an on on epic, epic level. Okay, so let's assume it's not that and, and it's decision making. You can, you can hear what they're saying in Tampa and, and they're saying, we, we, we don't know right now because we don't know what our options are. We, we have an idea of, of who we have. We have an idea of where this could potentially go. And remember, Bruce Arians took Carson Palmer to a, a, a different level after yeah. two really unsuccessful years in Oakland. Now, Carson Palmer had uh, a tremendous skill set, and, and he maximized that. So there, there is that potential. But there's that potential that he could do that with another veteran quarterback. Maybe it is, you know, Take, take your Philip Rivers it. could be Philip Rivers. Another high interception guy. But Philip Rivers is is kind of in that narrative right yep. now. He's disappointing, but he's he's played at a high level in the past. Yep. That's a little bit of what Carson Palmer was like. The issue with with Jameis is a little, similar to Fitzpatrick. Any given day, he could blow up your season. <laughs> and and if you get good Jameis, you're in for a long day, and it's a problem. If you get bad Jameis. Things, things are going to go pretty good, and your defensive stats are, are, are going to pop that week, and you'll probably have the player of the week at, at some point. And it's just so hard to try to plan a season or plan or build a team around such unpredictability at the biggest position. I think that's what Bruce Arians is facing right now. Do you trust him? Do you trust the guy to go out there and win more games than he loses definitely or don't any trust given him. Sunday? You definitely don't trust him. You can't trust him. But it's what is, to Coach's point, what is my alternative and am I going to regret the day I moved off of this level of talent? Heisman Trophy winner, national champion, number one overall pick, and a guy who in five years has thrown 121 touchdowns and has had two 4,000-yard seasons just coming off a 5,000-yard season. But in 111 games, 111 turnovers in 72 games. Oh, you got to take that with that. No, no, no. Listen, he's the. it's, a, it's an absurdity, the amount of turnovers he's had the he, he averages like since 2015 it's 88 turnovers in 72 games it's more than a turnover a game it will ruin you I understand that and as we talk about for Bruce Arians as a defensive coach for Tampa I can't imagine I can't imagine what it's like like you got to be I forgot who they were playing the game in London where it, I, I, it was just, I think he had three interceptions on their first three possessions, but then almost brought them back for the victory. Like, because, so it, he is the most, 
like he's the most entertaining Sunday ticket quarterback in football because every time we're red zone, yeah. every time you go to red zone, doesn't matter if they have the ball or not. Yep. It, it's just Bay's like on Tampa Bay's on yeah. there because somebody's right. scoring in You're one right. direction or the other. <laughs> it, it, and so I just, there's not enough guys. I don't think there's, let me put it like this coach. I don't think there's 10 quarterbacks in football with more talent than him. Can you move off that when he's still relatively young, when he, you, you just saw him have, in some ways, his best season, but also in some ways his worst season? I don't think you move off it just yet. I wouldn't give him a contract extension, but I think this is the type of player the franchise tag was tag created him. for. Yep. Well, but what, what in his body of work says it's trending in the right Nothing. direction? Nothing. So he, he's perfect for like a team like Miami last year with Fitzpatrick. That's, that's a good fit. You get some excitement. You, you get enough entertainment for the people that do decide to, to go watch one of their games that, it, that it's fun. Maybe that's where he needs to go. He needs to go to that, you know, that Miami-esque rebuilding situation. What if it is just the eyes, Coach? What if he... What if <laughs> oh, that needs to be a bloodbath. <laughs> Coach it, never it just, calls for anyone to be fired. So he called for everyone to be I fired. Want them, it'd be so disappointing <laughs> on so many <laughs> levels, levels that nobody figured that out. Moving on. Last night's big game, Clippers-Celtics. Clippers dropped a double overtime game to Boston last night. In addition to the loss of the game, the loss of Paul George. PG-13 once again strained his left hamstring, mm. the same injury which forced him to miss 10 games back in January. Clippers have used 27 different starting lineups this season, tied for the most in the NBA. Here's Doc Rivers after the game on the injury. I'm a little concerned, you know, about that one because that's the, uh, I think it's the second time now, maybe third. So, uh, you know, I don't, you know, listen, I don't know what to do, uh, but I know rest you have to do, um, and we'll see. We got to get healthy. You know, that's going to be the key for us. We got to get healthy, and then we got to play multiple games in a row as a group so we can kind of get some continuity. There was a lot there that Doc just said. There's, he said it in one sentence, but it seems like it's a lot on that to-do list. What do you, what do you make of Doc Rivers mentioning all the things that have to happen heading into the All-Star break? Yeah, it reminded me of the press conference from six weeks ago when a much more smug Doc Rivers said, yeah, the, the Lakers have their plan. It's, it's whatever LeBron wants to do. We have our plan, which is obviously whatever Kawhi wants to do because – Kawhi, we were told after last season that this season was going to be different. He was the healthiest he'd ever been. We weren't going to have the load managing that we led to 22 missed games last year. And, of course, the injury, the season-loss injury the year before in San Antonio. And yet, Kawhi hasn't been readily available for his teammates. Paul George, coming off double shoulder surgery, got hurt again in the hamstring, has missed time. Can you just rely, to, rely on Kawhi to step into the void? No. Patrick Beverly, who is a guy who's going to deal with injuries because of his size and the style in which he plays, which is such a grueling one on his body because he has to go full tilt at all times to be Patrick Beverly. Can you rely on Kawhi to pick up the slack there? No, evidently not. And what you're seeing is a team that, because of the load managing and the injuries, has no rhythm. A team that, because they're not taking the regular season seriously, They've lost three or four going into the All-Star break, including the last three games Kawhi Leonard has played. And a team that, because they are so focused on the NBA Finals at the expense of the regular season, is going to find themselves eliminated a round or two before the NBA Finals because they're setting themselves up for a grueling first, and if they get their second-round playoff matchup, before they even can dream of playing the Lakers and then the Bucks. 
And Doc knows all this. Doc might have been much more confident earlier. Doc knows all this, but they boxed themselves in. They've done everything Kawhi wanted from acquiring Paul George to letting him be a part-time player. And now you're staring at maybe falling to the 4-5 line. You're, you're entrenched at the three line. And what are you going to do? You're going to tell Kawhi now you actually have to play? No, they can't do that. Kawhi can walk in a year. So what are you going to do, Clippers, other than what you've been doing and Keep your fingers crossed that somehow there's a switch to be flipped come the postseason that I haven't seen. Uh, another overreaction by you, Nick Wright. Listen, the Clippers are absolutely fine. Now, ideally, you would not want to be injured. You do want practice time. And I played for Coach Doc Rivers. So the one thing I know about Doc uh, and his sets, there's a million different reads. We would run one play, and depending on the way that the play was being run or, or guarded, you would have different sets. And we would even come in the day of the game and change the way you would see that set. So I understand the frustrations. Uh, Paul George not being in the lineup, there's probably 30 or 40 or 50 plays set run for Paul George in which you cannot go out and execute. You got to find out what works best. Uh, I hear your concern. I'm not worried. None of these guys on the Clippers have career or excuse me, season ending injuries. So ultimately they're going to be fine. You understand the frustrations, though, because you have not seen the Clippers at full strength. But even not being at full strength, even not knowing the playbook in full, even not knowing each other as teammates in full, having traded away Mo Harkless, uh, who was really good for you, Marcus Morris, who we all agree is an upgrade, but still is going to have to find his way to fit in the lineup. You beat the Lakers twice. Uh, you've had That's the only showing. thing they can hang their hat on this year, by the way. 18 good minutes against the Lakers. God bless them. 18 good minutes. We got they played what 50 games, call it 48. It's 48 minutes a game. Forget the overtimes. So we're talking about 2,400-ish minutes. 18 great ones. Give them so credit. So if hold on, if that's the only other excuse me, the only other competition to win a championship, and you showed up against the best, you tell me that means you got to get there. Right? I'm not saying it means nothing. I'm saying people are acting but like we, it means but we're everything. talking for a regular season victory because you're really you're really big on the regular I'm, season. Wouldn't you? Uh, I'm big do on the totality of the regular season mattering. I'm big on avoiding the Rockets or the Jazz in the first round mattering. I'm big on being able to rest come the playoffs because we know nothing's more important to the Clippers than rest, clearly, mattering. And if you sweep your first round opponent, you get a week off before your second round. And Clippers ain't going to sweep. Yeah, but if, you, if you're Kawhi Leonard, you have to give him this. Kawhi Leonard's not worried about resting in the playoffs. The one thing we saw is when it came down to it, he got it up. He was playing on one leg in the finals last year. And he year wasn't great And figured out. He was great in the Eastern Conference side of the bracket. He was he was good. He was not great in the finals. They oh. were beating they were beating a wounded animal Warriors team, and Kawhi wore down at the end of that series. Who could guard him? Fa- Who guarded team? him? Who could guard him? If nobody could guard the man, how do you say if he's not great and he's a championship Finals MVP and nobody guarded him? That's not well, great. The final. The, I mean, we can show you. We can show Kawhi's finals numbers. I'm good with it. If we got it, the in the final two. I mean, that's that's Kawhi, by the way, against the wounded Warriors. Harden against the healthy Warriors, at least healthy until the very last game and a half of the series. And, you know, Harden, of course, played terribly in that series. Kawhi won finals MVP. Harden's got him clipped and everything but rebounding. And the final two games of the NBA Finals, Kawhi, I think, was 22 and 23 points, both on under 40% shooting. But again, guys, the great thing about sports is this. We're going to get to see it play out. The problem for the Clippers is they are trying to do something that is unprecedented unless you have LeBron. 
which is punt on the regular season. We'll go win on the road. We will go roll through the top seeds. We will not worry about any type of continuity throughout the regular season, and we will just go prove it. The Warriors didn't punt on regular seasons. The Bulls didn't punt on regular seasons. The Lakers punted on one, and they got beat. They got beat by the Spurs that year when they were going for a four-peat. So, but I, but hey, we'll get to. I would, I see, I would agree with you in full. But when I look at Paul George and I look at Kawhi Leonard, the one thing about those two players that really stands out, you don't ultimately need to run a play for those two to be successful at the highest level. What do I mean by that? Kawhi Leonard, because he was used to playing off the ball in San Antonio, he'll run the floor, he'll block shots, he'll rebound, uh, he defends, he can score without a play having to be run for him. He just and Paul. He George play, do a though. lot of little things. He you just opted to... against doing all that last night. Yeah, 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 he the... was not defending Tatum. It's the regular I mean, season, Nick. Come well, on, why, come on. Th- th- Ryan, <laughs> you, th- th- you know who would argue the regular season doesn't matter? Someone who's arguing for a team whose regular season is Total, so it's okay for LeBron, but it's not okay for Kawhi, as if Kawhi didn't win the championship last year, correct? We, when you've got a track record of being able to overcome digging yourself a hole in the regular season, then it's hard to judge it. Let me, Kawhi let don't me, have, uh, what let me seed were the Raptors last year, despite the seven, the, him missing 22 games? The one seed. Didn't hurt them. What, they, they didn't have to go on the road ever. I'm sorry, the two seed. Milwaukee was the one seed. They had to go on the road against Milwaukee. The, that Raptors team last year won 58 games after the year before they won 59 games. We do not have the track record to say they will just be fine. And the track record of Paul George in the playoffs is ugly. You keep, ta- ugly you, hold on, you keep talking about uh, the Clippers getting a bad seeding. Well, how about anybody who has to play against Clippers? Who, in the even in the Western Conference outside of the Lakers, would have a chance to compete? Who do you who do you believe in that much we're still figuring out who the Rockets are the Lakers we saw what happens when the Lakers play the Clippers okay. who else Utah I, 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 maybe I think Denver Houston, I think Houston's shown they can give them real real we're problems. hoping we don't know that well we, if, we I'm saw Houston, if I'm Houston we saw him. I would be more scared of playing the Clippers than playing the Lakers yeah. they match up better against the Lakers okay Nick you want to play a little in or out I, I would love to. Okay. Jameis Winston's future with Tampa Bay, a bit cloudy. Head coach Bruce Arians remains noncommittal about what he will do with the quarterback position. Coach, you went around on the Bucks keeping Jameis as their starter. I'm out. I think Bruce Arians is going to want a little bit better than 50-50 and, and have some idea what he can expect from the quarterback week in and week out. I'm in. The... I'm not giving him a long-term contract extension, but I want to run it back one more season. <laughs> Which is shocking. I'm surprised you don't want to no, extend no, no. it I, before, the, you see. No, the, listen, he threw for five thousand on the positive side of the ledger, 5,000 yards, 33 touchdowns, and you have great wide receiving weapons. On the negative side of the ledger, 30 interceptions. I want to run it back one more year, second year under Bruce Arians, see how it works out. All right, moving on. It is now being reported that the Patriots see A.J. Green and Hunter Henry as potential acquisitions. The two vets struggled with injuries last season, but could be a big boost to the Pats. Nick, you in or out on the Patriots signing these two? I'm out. I would be shocked if they got both of them. I'd be pretty surprised if they got one of them. These are going to be the top of the market guys at their respective positions. And I cannot remember the Patriot the last time the Patriots went out in free agency 
is Stephon Gilmore, and that's it, over the last eight years, where they said, best guy at his spot, we're prioritizing it, we'll pay above sticker. It's the only guy I can think of in the last decade. They're certainly not doing it twice in one offseason. I'd be surprised if they do it once in an offseason. Yeah, I'm out on any inside information that comes out of New England in February. I'm out on any inside information that comes out on their free agency plans, period. So whoever's putting out these reports, like, okay, maybe. I don't want to say you're making it up. But oh, you might be making Oh, it how about that? Coach didn't quite call you fake news, but he almost did. No, it just says, like, fake news. let's just call it what it is. I mean, <laughs> All right, Steelers GM Kevin Colbert expecting big Ben Roethlisberger to be back next season. Pittsburgh's offense was anemic after Ben's injury, but they still finished 8-8. Eight and eight. Coach, you enter out on the Steelers making the playoffs next season with a healthy big Ben. I'm absolutely in. I, I think there's such a jump between him and and Duck Hodges and, and Mason Rudolph and, and what they did with that group last year was was a really an excellent coaching job. You add someone with his talent, I'm sure he'll get in shape here this offseason, <laughs> probably starting right now. Yeah. And and right. it'll be a huge now. it'll be a huge lift from from where they were. This is tough for me because I think Tomlin's one of the four best coaches in football. I think they have an extraordinary defense, but Baltimore's not going anywhere. Where, and I know it'll surprise you guys. I think the Browns bounce back next season. So are there going to be three playoff teams from that division? Probably not. So I got to go out. Should have said that at the beginning of my answer, but I'm out on the Steelers making the playoffs. All right. There have been conflicting reports about whether or not Lions quarterback Matt Stafford is available in a trade. Stafford has been the Lions quarterback for 11 seasons, but has yet to deliver a playoff win. Nick, you in or out on the Lions trading Matt Stafford? Oh, I'm absolutely in. On this and it's listen Stafford is good he's not great we know who he is the contract is held against him because he's paid like he's great and he's just good but he's still a good quarterback in a league that doesn't have enough of them but the Lions are miles away from competing how do you supercharge that what could you get for Matt Stafford at least two ones probably two ones and something else that's the way to supercharge a rebuild call up the Chargers say you want to give us the sixth yeah. overall pick plus next year's number one plus something and to give uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams a real quarterback or a quarterback now that Philip Rivers has moved on I think there are a lot of teams to be interested in Matt Stafford so I'm absolutely in well I think your scenario is a little bit unrealistic if you if you feel like you can go get that much in terms of, of draft capital or, or trade value in general for Matt Stafford, then you should keep him because I, I can't I can't imagine that that other teams are, are looking at it the, the same way you just okay. presented it. There's a lot of stuff I really like about Matt Stafford. I think that Matt Patricia might be at the point though where he wants to put the resources somewhere else, try it with his own guy. He so you're met, in. I'm, I'm in. I'm in on the trade, I, but I don't think it'll be done uh, without a lot of thought and and some value, not the value you're talking well, about. Well, Coach, in a league where Jalen Ramsey goes for two ones and a two, Frank Clark goes for a one and a two, Laramie Tunsil goes for two ones. Jalen went for two ones and a four. Laramie Tunsil went for two ones and a two. A, a 31-year-old Pro Bowl quarterback, I think, can fetch at least no, something No, you, you are absolutely right. You only need one team to make a bad deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. Such a downer. Tom Brady's future continues to leave us scratching our heads just a bit. Where does he go? Who wants to pay him? How long? How much? The latest report says that Brady is expected to be back with the Patriots. And a former staffer said that Belichick knows Brady is his best option 
at quarterback to win another Super Bowl. Was coach? that former Stafford coach? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we could have had this report a, a long time Stafford ago. stayed on FS1 for, <laughs> for six months. Yeah. He's the best option, huh? <laughs> Who reported that? Well, Is that another secret report that's come out of New England? Secret. Double that, secret look, report. Someone has a red phone. Coach, uh, don't you want to see Brady finish his career with the Patriots? <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like I've been pretty adamant about that for for quite some time. I think he gives. But there's something sentimental about it. It's isn't not. There? No, the the one no. thing about New England is it's not about sentimentality at, at all, and and that's actually one of the things that's helped them be successful, is because where other teams will hold on to a player a year or two too long, because of what they've done in the past. New England moves on, and 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 there's an honesty to that approach. It's not always the most well-received. I think that, that Tom does give the team the best chance to be successful. I think the team gives Tom the best chance to be successful because there isn't going to be the learning curve. And, and maybe Josh McDaniels gets a head coaching job next year. But this, this fusion that they have right now, the relationship, the understanding, they have a chance with a, with a few minor tweaks. I don't even think they have to be major tweaks to be right back in the, in, in the mix. And they already were. They were 12-4 and four and... We're, we're not talking about a, a rebuild. Doesn't some of this, though, obviously and of course have to come down to at what price? I don't. I think everyone would agree this is, you know, I'm going to go furthest logical conclusion on this. If Tom Brady would play for the minimum on a one-year deal, is he the best option? A thousand at times out of a thousand. If Tom Brady wants $45 million a year fully guaranteed for one year, is he the best option? Zero times out of a thousand. So the question is where on that what's, spectrum? What's the next best option? Let's say you pay him, whether you pay him $25 million, $10 million, $30 million. Mm -hmm. Tell me what's the next best option. What are you, what are you doing with that, that money that you save that's going to offset okay, tr him? Trade a third-round pick for Cam Newton. And he comes in at $19 million. Yeah, I, I know. We could play fantasy football. Let's well, you just, just asked me. Let's, I know. but That we, is fantasy. Well, you're just, like making, you're just making stuff up. These trades that we all say, hey, just do this. Hey, just do that. There needs to be another party interested in making those trades. And they're not that easy. You have to, have to actually have a realistic chance to get somebody. Okay, well, I, I think Cam is on Anything Cam's the market. coming in on the cheap? I, well, no, well, Cam's under contract. One year for 19 million bucks. There's a lot of guys so, that are under contract that decide not to play or don't play till they get a new contract. Okay, and that see, in that case for Cam, I wouldn't Ezekiel do it. Ezekiel Elliott. It, 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 fair enough. It, and if I got the intel that Cam was only going to play this year under a new contract, then I would scratch him off my list and I'd go to the next person on my list. Is Teddy Bridgewater actually available? At what price? Teddy Bridgewater for the same price as Tom Brady? In 2020, I'd rather Teddy Bridgewater, and I think he'll actually be cheaper than Tom Brady. If he's not available, but then you're, I... You're assuming this like plug-and-play mentality in the system. Tom Brady has a this this wealth of experience. He's seen everything. There there are steps that don't have to be taken there. And we're not talking about small steps. We're talking about like skyscraper amount of steps that that he surpasses. You bring in a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, you're starting from scratch. Yep. So if if it seems like it's so obvious to you that Tom Brady is just without a doubt the best option for them at whatever price, why haven't they really moved forward on bringing him back? It seems like there's something that's holding Bill Belichick back from wrapping his arms around the idea. Well, because Tom has to agree to it. And, and, and look, it's not very rarely do you hear about negotiations in New England going smoothly. There, there is still the element of negotiation. And one side has to put forth what they want. And the other side has to put forth what they want. And you got to get to what's, what's palatable for both sides. It's not, it's not the place that proactively 
just re-ups people and gives them the, the top top market But, money. Coach, to your concern about if it's anyone other than Brady, you are starting from scratch as far as the knowledge of the offense, as far as the familiarity with the system, all of that. I totally understand the point. But Tom Brady's going to be 43 years old when this is 43 years old when this next season begins. That day you're talking about is on the horizon no matter what. Unless you think Jared Stidham is going, he's going to hand the keys to him where he's been in the system a year, now another year, that eventually Jared Stidham's the heir apparent, then you could have not a seamless, but a less of a seam in the transition. No matter what, at some point, they have to start anew. So, I, but, there, but, but what is anew, Nick? Let's say it is Stidham, okay? At least he's been in the system now correct. for what, two years? Well, this years? would be, well, so this, this be three coming year would be three, right? Sure. No, th this past year was his rookie year. So this okay, year so would be year two. two. Yep. And, and, and two years in a system is very different than bring someone from the outside in. A thousand percent agree with you. My point is I don't look at, and I don't know if the Patriots look at, because you're right, they're a black box when it comes to information, as they drafted Stidham as the long-term solution or they drafted Stidham as a project, maybe a backup. We'll see what he turns into. So the point I'm making is if they have determined Stidham is not going to be or they don't think he's going to be the quarterback of the future, then no matter what, the quarterback after Brady is going to be starting from scratch. So... It, but they could, they could easily draft a quarterback this year. Why couldn't they? Why couldn't they go get a quarterback in the draft this season? Why couldn't they trade up and and get a guy if they felt that strongly about him? It, it, there, there's a way to keep Tom and still bring other talent in yep. and potentially have that transition. But in we place. are running out of ways to keep Tom, have the transition in place, and give Tom the weapons I've been told for six months he didn't have. We are running out of we're running out of draft capital. They spent a second round pick on Mohamed Sanu. They only have two picks in the top 100 this year. This is not a year where the Patriots are loaded for bear in the draft. They've got a, an absurd amount of sixth and seventh round picks. They have five picks in the sixth and seventh rounds. Aside from that, they've got the 23rd pick, the 87th pick, two fours, one five, and then five picks in the sixth and seventh round. Well, what round was Edelman drafted in? Edelman, was he undrafted or his seventh rounder? Seventh, and what round was Tom drafted in? Tom was a sixth rounder. Oh, though, so the sixth and seventh round draft picks actually might have value? No, they they oh. might have value. And if you want to cast your lot in those, then that's fine. I would say the reason that we know those things off the top of our head is because they're rarities. And they just spent a first round pick on a wide receiver that I've been told all year, it's not Brady's fault. Nikhil Harry it was just either the wrong pick or he didn't develop or he, he couldn't pick up on the offense. So if we're now pit, spending a pick on a quarterback for extending Brady and spending salary cap dollars there, we're, we're running out of ways to give him the weapons I've been told he needs. But one of the things that New England has done consistently is find other people's undervalued assets bring them yes. into their system, and find a way to make it work for them. So to just say traditional, the traditional valuation of this team is the only way that we should do it, I don't think that's accurate. It's a great point. And I would imagine that they might try to kidnap Hunter Renfro from the Raiders. Thank you for listening to the First Things First podcast. Remember, leave us a review and tell us what you think. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and catch us on FS1 Monday through Friday, 6.30 a.m. Eastern.